hour two off and rolling. Welcome in to our show here on 104.5 The Zone. We are so pleased to have you here with us until one o'clock. You want to get involved? You can do so. 615-737-1045 is the number. A lot of sports, yay sports, to get to over the course of the next two hours. We are going to have Destin Wade of Summit High School, who is our uh, first, I mean, for all intents and purposes, we're just going to call it the high school football or the TN High School Hero of the Week, I guess, until such time as we come. We'll, we'll ask Destin what he thinks this should be called because, like, <laughs> this is what I'm scared of, okay? I, I want to do this because for two reasons. One, I want to have, since Lucas and Will Bowling do such a good job with the high school football coverage that they provide in the uh, 104.5 The Zone Game of the Week that they're on the call for and the scoreboard show after the fact, like, that is such, it's been high school football in Tennessee has been such an integral part to the zone that I want to have some connection to it as well. And I also want uh, this to be something like that's fun for high school football players to want to come on and like talk on the radio so that it gives us a way to stay young, Lucas, as I perpetually age. I'm starting to get more gray hairs. I'm starting to get more forgetful. So I need to have some kind of connection or there this show to have some kind of connection to young people so that I don't, you know, just I don't just spiral out of control in the meantime. So we'll ask Destin Wade at 1145 what this should be called. Of course, uh, an ESPN 300, a top 300 recruit, a commit to the University of Kentucky. He and his brother both an absolutely stellar performance in week one against uh, what was it? Henry County, Henry County, Henry he County balled out. Yeah, at, at 50 to 13, and he was by far and away the star of the show. Massive touchdown run after touchdown run, putting it on the uh, the head of Henry County in their season opener. They will play at Spring Hill this Friday. 615-737-1045. Before we get into that, though, let's talk about what Titans practice looked like yesterday without Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel, who has tested positive for COVID-19, it will be interesting to see, and, and we don't have an update on this right now, but Vrabel needed two negative tests in a 48-hour span to be able to return to the, to the facility or have to wait 10 days prior to testing positive, and then he will have to test negative again, of course, before he can reenter normal or semi-normal life with his team. So it will be curious to see whether we get some kind of update on that, given that this is, in fact, the second day that Mike would have had to test negative to be able to get back into the facility. So uh, we will talk about the Titans here in just a second, but I want to start with their opponent in this week of preseason football. Matt Nagy and the Chicago Bears will travel to Nissan Stadium. It will be the first time that Titans fans have the ability to attend, you know, en masse, a football game at Nissan Stadium with the Tennessee Titans basically since the 2019 season. Since like week, what would that have been? That would have been week 16 of the 2019 season. It would have been that meaningless, literally meaningless game against the New Orleans Saints that Derrick Henry didn't even play, play in, right? I mean, that's how long it's been. Because there obviously, there was one game last year at Nissan Stadium where there were no fans and then they had limited capacity all throughout the course of last season. And they remained one of the teams with the highest capacity allowed or the most capacity allowed. But it was still just just north of 20%, if I recall correctly, during the uh, the playoff game against the Baltimore Ravens in the wildcard round. 
this January. So this will be the first opportunity for Titans fans to see a football game at Nissan Stadium amid semi-normal circumstances. Because, of course, even as we trend towards normal, there's always the smack-in-the-face reminder that, yeah, your head coach who just who's been vaccinated, just tested positive for COVID, and this kind of this thing kind of still hovers over all that we're doing right now well, in sports and society. And the Cowboys are going virtual for a couple of days. Three players tested positive. And Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator. C.D. Lamb, one of the players. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to continue to disrupt things this year. Just something to know going into this. But let's have a laugh first and foremost, <laughs> shall we? Let's keep the laughs going. Let's keep the laughs going. I, Josh Josh Black always puts me in such a good mood that I don't want to go into deep and depressing and COVID-related football conversation just yet. I want to laugh. So let's laugh at Matt Nagy. Let's laugh at the Chicago Bears because Justin Fields is going to start this game against the uh, against the Titans. He's going to play at least two quarters based on the reporting today. Now... This is, and the way that Ian Rappaport this morning phrased this tweet, I thought was laugh out loud funny because he just kind of, what's the word? Uh, To be appropriate, he's just kind of teasing. He's trolling Bears fans at this point. When he gets on the internet, when he logs on to Twitter this morning and says that uh, Matt Nagy, who is discussing the starting quarterback position, says, Bears coach Matt Nagy tells reporters that Justin Fields will start in their final preseason game and Andy Dalton will sit, dot, 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 because he's the week one starter. So they're already declaring Andy Dalton the week one starter against the Los Angeles Rams. Now, Jason Martin of J. Martin Ramon, as we were passing each other, uh, them leaving the studio and me coming in to do the show this morning, Jason Martin informed me that that's the Sunday night football opener, opener, Bears and Rams. So it's a fantastic product if Justin Fields is on the foot, is on the field, not Andy Dalton. Now, you can look at this and say Matt Nagy is making the wise decision because in, instead of sacrificing his rookie quarterback to Aaron Donald and the football gods, to where you see number 99 basically chewing on the spine of your rookie. On a national stage. Yeah, for, for everybody to see. To see. <laughs> just just like the Bear and the Revenant and Leo DiCaprio. He just, just ripping this dude around in his teeth. Stop, stop. Yeah, exactly. So maybe Matt Nagy is doing the right thing for the health and safety of his quarterback. But at some point, you got to throw Justin Fields out there, even if the week one matchup is not ideal to preserving your rookie quarterback. I am looking at this and saying, I understand that in principle, but if you are going to tell me, Matt Nagy, that this is something you're doing just because Andy Dalton is the veteran and you don't think that your rookie quarterback is ready to go just yet, man, you better get the hell out of here because the only people who are going to want you fired more than the rest of us who care about football and who don't want to see any more of Andy Dalton playing. I don't what I know what Andy Dalton looks like. I know what Andy Dalton's play style is. I know that it has gotten significantly worse since he left the Cincinnati Bengals and was, you know, stumbling around for the Dallas Cowboys last year. I know what that looks like. I don't need to see that again. I want to see the new, the shiny new toy that you're boasting at quarterback that you traded up to get. I don't care if your Twitter account tells me that he's QB1. Get it the hell out of here. 
because there is going to be, you are making yourself, I mean, the odds in Vegas have to change as to who's the first head coach who's going to be fired in football this year. It immediately becomes the betting favorite, Matt Nagy, if he doesn't put Justin Fields out there to start. Because people in Chicago are already screaming at the Bears because they've given up on the Cubs. The Cubs traded off all of their important parts, all of the parts <laughs> from the World Series team. So now all of the focus, all of the hurt in the Chicago sports fans has, has gone away from the Cubs. They've dead the Cubs dead and buried at this point, even as they look, you know, they look like they're still, I mean, they're not really hovering around in the standings. They look terrible right now. So Cubs disregarded in the Chicago sports landscape. Now, everybody's attention, not just in the city of Chicago, but basically everywhere in the NFC and people who care about football, everybody's looking at Justin Fields. And everybody's seeing, okay, yeah, he got fat number 59 to take his head off because the running back missed a block and pass pro. And everybody's making fun of him because he said the first week that the game didn't feel that fast to him or slower than he thought it might be, whatever. Justin Fields is the future of football in Chicago. Why are we, why are we trying to keep the future? Why are we trying to stave off the future? Give it to us now. So Matt Nagy is doing the thing that some, so often coaches do where they just entrench themselves in this position that the veteran is the starter because I say he is in week one until such time as I've seen enough. No, you know what Andy Dalton is. Get the hell out of here with that. Stop wasting everybody else's time. That's what this feels like. I have no interest in and in the Andy Dalton experience for the Chicago Bears. What we all want to see is, is Justin Fields able to play at this level? And if you're going to find out, you might as well find out against a good football team, against the L.A. Rams. There's no... You're, you're playing a violent sport. You're playing blood sport and then expecting one week to protect him when there's not a million other, you know, there's not that many other Aaron Donalds out there. There's a million other 300-pound rage monsters who are going to line up across from Justin Fields and try and take his head off in week two. It's not like it's that big of a difference. 615-737-1045. Before we get into what Shane Bowen as the Titans defensive coordinator had to say yesterday at the podium, given that Mike Vrabel is currently quarantined and did not meet with the media, as is the custom after practice today, or yesterday, I want to talk about what it's like to not have Mike Vrabel out there because they've practiced this before. They did this a year ago. Now, Mike Vrabel currently tested positive for COVID-19, quarantined away from the facility, still going through squad meetings on Zoom at this time, but it is a markedly different environment. Now, Craig Aukerman, the special teams coach, is running the show. He is basically overseeing practice. Now, John. I noticed John Robinson more actively involved in the conducting of practice rather than just kind of sitting behind the defense and watching things play out, studying the position groups as they go through individual drills. John, you know, John had a whistle in his mouth. He was out there directing traffic just as much as Aukerman was, and you could tell that there was a concerted effort by everybody to make sure that Vrabel was compensated for because it's, it's noticeable when he's not out there on the field. Now, I did notice, and it's not like I we hear from Aukerman a ton, but I did notice how many more F-bombs there were coming out of the mouth, mouth of Craig Aukerman in the absence of Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel is an expert F-bomb dropper. Craig Aukerman, it sounds just a tad forced in the team huddle. Like it sounded like, sound like they were trying too hard to make up for what Mike Vrabel sounds like out on the practice field. But the thing that – and here's where I think it may – may be productive to a degree. You obviously want Vrabel to be there. He's the head coach of this football team. 
He has clearly put together a program that has created winning football here in Tennessee. That matters, of course. But where I think it's beneficial, not for a long period of time, but for a short amount of time, however long Vrabel has to quarantine, is the way that they all, as a team, players on the field, coaches, uh, staffers who are responsible, the scouts who are out on the field running the guys through the drills, the amount of talking out there on the practice field, the over-communication that these guys are doing made up, I felt like, for not having Vrabel out there. Whereas it's just one voice. Now you guys have out there, you have guys out there talking on defense and things like that during 11 on 11 and trying to get people in the swing of things and communicating checks and, you know, what they're seeing in front of them and the center on the offense is calling out the protection and who's the Mike linebacker, all this stuff. But you could hear it from the sideline. You could hear it from the assistant coaches. You could hear it from the guys out on the field. And you could hear it from the vets who were making it a point to make sure that all of the things that their head coach is responsible for in a normal day of practice was being made up for out on the field. It did seem to make a difference because there there was a period where the offense was dragging and they needed something to pick them up. Normally, it's Mike Vrabel cussing them, right? It's Mike's, Mike lighting them up for you know wasted reps or lack of effort or no walking on the field, things of this nature. And then the way that they rebounded from that in the next 11-on-11 period, I thought was telling because they recognized the lack of urgency to it too without the head coach present. Now we'll talk to you guys coming up next. We're going to get, you're going to hear from Shane Bowen because he spoke to us at the podium yesterday and something that I think Bowen said really makes me feel more confident in the progress that this Titans defense is making. We'll also tell you who returned to practice and who participated in their first full practice for the first time yesterday, a couple of guys and one in particular that's important because Adam Schefter reported yesterday that he was dealing with a knee injury. We'll talk about all that coming up next. Your calls as well. 615-737-1045 is the number. 615-737-1045. I'm Buck Rising. This is 104.5 The Zone. Well, this just sounds like summer a little bit. In fact, I think this is a uh, new smash hit by our buddy Ryan Hurd. I believe this is called Coast, if I'm not mistaken, and we're playing this because I just saw some good news. If you're a Titans fan, they've sent out an email to season ticket members about a block party that they're hosting September the 10th before kickoff against the Arizona Cardinals. Of course, that game will be played on the 12th, but from 6 to 8, they will have Ryan Hurd, our buddy, hosting a block party, and uh, there will be live music, a DJ, fireworks, food trucks, giveaways, all manner of good stuff, so we're excited. We're going to have to get him on the show. He's going to have to, I mean, I don't know whether he will uh, travel down, and he's probably touring right now, so I don't know how easy a get he is, but 
It's about we're about overdue for a herd visit. So I know he listens to the show. I don't know if he's listening right now, but you should go check out the song Coast first and foremost, and then uh, that will be a great time. I'm going to have to go check that out at uh, at well, I guess it's downtown. Based on the understanding, I'm looking at the season ticket member. Oh, so this is just for season ticket members. Oh, okay. Look at them trying to incentivize you guys. Got things like block parties and things of that nature before kickoff. Very interesting. Can I go if I'm not a season ticket member? Um, I don't think that's how that works. But I know the band. <laughs> Talk to Ryan about it. Okay. Love him on the show. <laughs> this is no, he already he already got me backstage for Darius Rucker in Chicago. Like I can't I can't I can't ask more favors of my friend. Uh, especially when, you know, I have no business being in a season ticket member thing because I'm not, I've not paid for a Titans ticket ever, nor would I because I'm a media member. So anyway, we'll see if that works out. 615-737-1045. Uh, before we get to Destin Wade of Summit High School is going to join us coming up next. We're excited about that because we want to try and highlight one high school football player who balled out from the weekend. Uh, each week on this show during the high school football season, I want to talk about Shane Bowen yesterday. Shane Bowen spoke to the media yesterday, and the highlight of this preseason, and there's been a lot of highlights for the Titans this preseason, but really, more than anything, it's been the defense. Two of 12 against the Falcons is what they allowed on third down. Two of 14 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You understand the level of competition is poor at this point. The quarterback play is poor at this point that they're facing, but still execution, their ability to create turnovers, and the coaching that we see translate for those of us who go to practice every day. You see the things that they're coaching to create these turnovers on the field. And then we spoke to Shane Bowen, who really sounds so much different than he did with us a year ago. Now, Zoom has changed a lot of things. Everybody's a lot more comfortable. Face-to-face interactions from a distance are important, I think to kind of finding out more about these guys and getting them in a place where they're more comfortable talking to us about what their daily workflow looks like. But right now, this defense is playing with a ridiculous amount of confidence. And that was something initially I thought was just what we were seeing on the practice field. Like, I didn't know how seriously to take it, even though, you know, what you're seeing in practice is what they try to implement in games, of course. Thus far, they've done that. And they've played a handful of starters on defense. Now, they're not doing things. They're not scheming up a bunch of crazy stuff on defense. They're running standard blitz packages where you see Elijah Molden and Kevin Byard coming in as an extra rusher, at least against Tampa. Some new stuff that they were throwing in or just like basic execution type stuff that they were trying to see if they could pull out, pull off in a game time situation. But I feel infinitely more confident in the defense. Now, I've always been one of these people, and I've been accused of propaganda in this way. Because I've been trying to tell you for a while, Shane Bowen felt like the fall guy last year. That all the all the angst and all the hatred directed towards Shane Bowen, what maybe some of it was warranted, but the vast majority like of people were not distributing the blame correctly. They just saw the face that they associated with their defense, and they tried to bury him for it. When it was clear that things not being defined for him last year and COVID made his job near impossible to pull off as a first-time play caller. But now they're out there with confidence. And the confidence in the players is something that Shane Bowen feels like is translating from him and now is playing out with his unit on the field. This was him yesterday at the podium. 
I hope so. I mean, I hope so. I think I think that's part of it. I'm I'm the leader of the group now, right? All eyes are on me. Hopefully, they're all turning to me with everything. Um, I mean, I want our group guys to be confident. So, I mean, I better show the same thing, right? I got confidence in them and what we're doing, what we're doing as a coaching staff, what we're doing as a unit right now, and I hope they feel it and can kind of feed off that. It's infectious in your secondary with, with so many guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think just with all the new faces, right? Like, we're bringing a lot of guys in. Um, I mean, half the room's new. We're trying to kind of rebuild this identity, right, and get it to where our standard is and what we expect. Um, and it's a daily thing. Like, you can't take days off from it. It's a daily grind to get it to where we want it to be. Shane Bowen yesterday. So he, he talked about, you know, the whole or half the room is new. For all the all the talk about identity and culture and things like that, no, they literally have to rebuild this thing from the ground up on defense because there's a lot of new faces involved with this thing. That, I think, is playing out confidence and comfort with not just Bowen in his role, but with the players and Bowen. It matters that these guys now have a more of a relationship with their coach who is tasked with coordinating the defense. And I think it's playing out in the way that you see them, how active they are, particularly in these two preseason games on third down. The talent is without question better. But Shane Bowen spoke about this third down defense and kind of their emphasis on it yesterday also when we spoke to him after practice. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's been emphasized for us all all training camp, all offseason. Um, like I mentioned before, before even the preseason started, like we're not going to lose sight of what we're emphasizing just because it's a preseason game, right? Um, so there's a mentality that comes with that as a unit. Um, there's a mentality that comes with it as individual players winning your one-on-ones, whether it's up front, whether it's in the back end. Um, and I think the guys are, are challenging. We're trying to make them earn everything. We are, and we're trying to be tighter, um, trying to do a lot of different things right now. And I think the guys are taking to heart, and they're playing, they're playing with confidence, like, we found ways to get off the field, and I think it's kind of building confidence in their abilities and our ability as a unit. Shane Bowen yesterday talking about his third down defense. There's no question they look better. Now, I'm not out here saying, and they have, listen, they haven't allowed a touchdown yet, which is important. The emphasis on red zone defense is clearly there. They've, they've allowed a total of four, a total of four third down conversions, you know, out of what? North of, what is it? Oh, God, I'm going to do the math in real time. Okay, what is it? 12 plus 14 is 26. Checks out. Thank God. That's <laughs> the first time I had to, like, I had to slow myself down, Lucas. I had to walk myself through it. I said, okay, do the numbers in your head. Carry the one. Except you don't have to carry the one, so don't overcomplicate it, stupid. <laughs> Still had to use a calculator. 26. Never be too sure. <laughs> um, but, yes. The defense, all they can do is implement the kind of approach that they're taking in practice and bring it to these preseason games. Even if you're somebody who's a skeptic, and I understand if you are, until you see that they make legitimate strides on that side of the football in a game that matters, I don't think people are going to believe it. And I think that's fair. They have to prove it to you. They have to, they have to show you all over again that the Tennessee Titans can play legitimate NFL-caliber defense because what they showed you last year was that they were a bunch of frauds out there. Because look at the quarterbacks they've gone up against. Not to take anything away, but... Oh, no, for sure. I'm, I'm talking about Blaine Gabbert being the best of the bunch, and I love Blaine personally. I think he's a great guy. 
I love talking to him. He's also not a very good professional football player. And he was like the tops. AJ McCarron's already torn his ACL. He's out. He looked terrible in their first preseason game. Ryan Griffin is a miracle that he's lasted this long in the league. And Kyle Trask sucks at football. I can say that now that he's a pro and I don't feel bad about telling a college fo- or I feel bad about telling a college football player that they suck. But now he's a professional. Now that he's play- paid real money, I don't feel bad in saying that Kyle Trask, who was like a, wasn't he a second round pick? Ugh. What is that out there? What happened to him? I know we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but like, is is him without Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony and all of the great talent that they had at Florida last year? Is he just that bad without NFL caliber talent around him? That was the only real sample size that Kyle Trask has put out in his entire career. He wasn't a starter in high school behind Derek King. And then he finally got his shot at Florida under Dan Mullen and put together a phenomenal season in a COVID year with a ton of weapons. And he got him drafted in the second round. But it is just one season of a sample size. Like, remember, Mitch Trubisky coming out of North Carolina, he had one season to show what he could do. And we, you know, we all just get wrapped up in quarterback. Can they play for the position? Okay, they look great for one year in college, and then you get Kevin Dodd. It's, and I know he's not a quarterback, but I'm just saying. 615-737-1045. I still think, though, that your depth looks better. Consider, okay, consider this. The competition, just on the defensive side of the ball, because they're going to pare the roster down. I think the deadline is three central time on August the 31st for them to go to from 90 to 53. They're going to cut a bunch of good players this year, like quality depth players. We're talking about the Mason Kinseys of the world. We're talking about guys like, I mean, Chester Rogers and Marcus Johnson are going to make this team, but what's what's left behind them? There is quality. There are quality players there. NWI. Look at the corners and the edge rushers right now. Breon Borders is now your fifth corner because the top four are locks, like high draft picks, and then a well-paid veteran in Janoris Jenkins, Jackrabbit. So after, if you got, and in no particular order, Caleb Farley, Jack Rabbit, Christian Fulton, Elijah Molden, well, then you're looking at one extra corner, and that makes Chris Jackson, who was, who was up until apparently he, he, something happened to him before Saturday's game, because Elijah Molden was not supposed to start in the slot, and then something happened to Chris Jackson in pregame warmups. Uh, I don't know if it was an injury, so I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to unfairly categorize it is that without knowing for sure. But something happened to him to where Elijah Molden sent his post-game availability that Chris Jackson went down, so he got the start in the slot. Chris Jackson is your fifth guy. is Maybe your starting nickel or, or slot corner. And then you have Breon Borders, who played great snaps for you last year, but you understand like that he doesn't have the speed to play with NFL receivers. Like there's There are flaws with him as he's bounced around the league, but he's still a good quality depth player. On the edges... I mean, Derek Roberson, who they keep telling us is having his best camp, which to me just means that they're trying to find nice things to say about him before they cut him. Derek Roberson was like in your starting rotation a year ago. Now you're looking at John Simon, outside of Bud Dupree and Harold Landry. You're looking at John Simon, Rashad Weaver, Derek Roberson, Wyatt Ray, who played a ton for you a year ago. You've got Ola Adeni, who has a place on special teams and has given you good pass rush snaps. You're kind of, I, I don't want to say you're loaded, but a good player is going to get cut. 
they have, I think, from from more than anything, you take away that your depth is substantially better than the depth of the two teams that you've played thus far. One, the defending Super Bowl champs, who return all 22 starters, and the other, a bad Atlanta Falcons team. Understandably so. You're still better than those guys. Your depth is better than those guys. The defense doesn't necessarily let up in a way that Tampa... So look at Tampa, right? Titans couldn't run the ball at, against Tampa at all for basically the first half. Tampa changes their personnel on defense. Makai Sargent starts to make plays. Looks a lot easier for him out there. On the other side of things, when the Titans changed out their depth on the defensive side of the ball, life didn't get easier for the quarterbacks. Kyle Trask and Ryan Griffin and Blaine Gabbert were, st- were still making bad plays. And Keyshawn Vaughn, who I think is not a good pro, I'm, I'm a little surprised by that. Keyshawn Vaughn did not look good. Former Vanderbilt running back did not look good in the sample size that we saw of him. And, and I don't. I, it looks like he may be on the outs looking in of that roster situation. But I digress. Things did not get easier for the Bucs and the Falcons against the Titans' depth as they rotated their personnel. Things did get easier for the Titans as the Bucks and Falcons changed their personnel on defense. I think that's kind of the main takeaway that you're looking at. And you're starting to get healthy. Derrick Henry, for example, his first full practice of the year yesterday. First time he's gone through all of it. And we'll talk about Derrick Henry because apparently he's in the top 10 players of the top 100, and I hate the NFL 100, but Lucas loves it, so we're going to talk about it at some point. But Derrick Henry... Just now getting ramped up. Ben Jones and Nate Davis returned to practice yesterday for the first time in several weeks. Taylor Lewan and Roger Saffold, they've been managing them so that they can be ready to go. And I don't know who your starting right tackle is right now between Sam Brelo or Kendall Lamb or David Questenberry or even Dylan Radens. Those guys have, well, Kendall Lamb I don't think has played in the preseason yet because he's been dealing with injuries. I think that was his first practice back for a while yesterday. And Sombrello started on Saturday. Started at left. Yes. So, you know, your right tackle in some form or fashion has been getting preseason work. It's just, I don't know if it's been at the right tackle position. So you're starting to ramp these things up. And then there's Caleb Farley and Elijah Molden, who made their debut on Saturday. Now, Caleb Farley told us after the game that it felt like he was running in mud. But... When we spoke to him yesterday after practice, he said, you know, basically right now the focus is just trying to get his feet under him right now. Yeah, I I just like being out there, you know, um, having somebody in front of me again and, you know, having to stick with people and just, you know, make sure your feet is under you. It's it's forcing me to kind of like snap back into it. Yeah, I mean, injuries just uh, suck. You know, it's a lot of adversity. when, when you're coming back from a, a type of injury um, like that, it's just it just takes time. It's a process, and you got to just keep a positive mindset and, and get better each day. Um, you know, I, I can only control what I can control. I can't control what what has happened in the past. I just have to keep coming out here and, you know, working hard and, and trying to, you know, play the best that I can to help my teammates win games. Caleb Farley speaking to the media yesterday after practice. Even if they slow play him right now, I know there's some uncertainty. I, I don't know what Christian Fulton is yet as a football player. I think that he has plenty of promise. He's got athletic potential, certainly. But we, we just don't know for certain. What we do know is that Elijah Molden is a football player and knows, basically, how to go out there and make plays all over the field, no matter what position they're putting him in. 
We know that Jackrabbit, over a decade in the league, understands how to play the position. He's going to take some chances, so the rest of the defense around him needs to be sound, but you feel okay even if they're slow playing Caleb Farley, which right now they are. He didn't get a ton of snaps on Saturday, and he's still trying to relearn the position himself. I think that's probably going to piss a lot of Titans fans off to hear that because you want your first-round pick to make an impact right away. But look at what's around him. It's not as much about him not being out there as what it is is around him in, the, in his position group, in his DB room. It's okay if they're slow playing Caleb Farley. They've got the depth to do it. And really, outside of the offensive line, maybe the defensive line as well after Trayvon Coley got hurt, those are the two positions that you worry about. Everything else on the roster, given that they've decided on a kicker yesterday too, feel pretty good about it. We'll come back and we'll talk with Destin Wade, quarterback from Summit High School. He had a fantastic game against Henry County this Friday, uh, a game coming up this weekend as well against Spring Hill. He's a commit to the University of Kentucky, him and his brother both. We look forward to him being the first of our Tennessee high school football heroes, I guess is what we're calling it, Lucas. We'll see if that's too corny for Destin Wade. Coming up next, I'm Buck Rising. This is 104.5 The Zone. Welcome in, 104.5 The Zone. Get ready to do a little Tennessee high school football. Officially back in season, week one in the books. So we've been trying to figure out what the hell we want to call this thing because we want to pay tribute to a player in high school football here in Tennessee that absolutely balled out. Now, Destin Wade of Summit High School quarterback is on with us right now. The first uh, to, I, I, I don't know if it's an honor. I don't know if we're wasting your lunchtime right now, Destin, but we're, we're happy to have you on the show, man. How we living? No, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's lunchtime, so I can basically do whatever I want to. So I, I just appreciate the, the opportunity uh, to be on here. Hey, no question about it. So, like, we're trying to come up with a name for this thing. I, I had TN High School Heroes, but I feel like that's kind of corny. What is that? Is that too corny? Like, am I am I am I doing too much with that? Uh, I don't think so. I like it. I think it has a good ring to it, but. Uh... Yeah, I like it. I like it. All right, we'll take it. So, uh, at Destin.Wade is where you can follow this man on Instagram. At DestinWade1 is where you can find him on Twitter. Uh, UK football commit for uh, heading into uh, heading into this year. And first of all, I mean, you are, despite it being your lunch break, by the way, you ought to be able to do whatever you want anyway because <laughs> 265 yards on six carries in, uh, in week one, man. That is absolutely <laughs> insane. What what did you kind of when did you kind of realize like in the game that okay this was going to be a big night for you? Um, I'd say probably in the beginning of the quarter, basically, because I had three touchdowns already. Um, <laughs> but surprisingly, I didn't know the I didn't know I had six carries. I had a, I thought I had a little bit more, but that was really surprising. So, so yeah, I mean, so what what was it about the matchup that kind of worked in your favor? Were you just out athleting dudes out there? Like, what worked to your advantage? Uh, I would say our old team, uh, um, basically our offensive line uh, made key blocks and my receivers made key blocks, Brady, Brandon, on those long runs. Um, but, yeah, I think once I get in the open space, uh, I just feel like I can uh, just make moves to um, make moves there to, to um, make a score. Well, certainly you're you're excited about it if you're a Kentucky football fan paying attention to Tennessee high school football. I know they're fired up to have you. Uh, with their program eventually. Now, why why, why Kentucky? Because I know it was a 
uh, for both you and your brother, it, it seemed like it was a family choice to go to that program. Mm-hmm. Why, why does it make so much sense for you and your brother? Um, I just feel like, yeah, like you said, it's a family uh, program and uh, they're, they're going to take care of us and uh, make sure uh, I feel like they can develop us there uh, on and off the field and just to be better people and uh, a better player. Um, but, yeah, the relationship with uh, my QB coach, too, um, after one of uh, my recruiting area coaches left, uh, they just made me uh, feel at home still and uh, made, just made me feel like they wanted us and believed in us. So, yeah. Summit High School close to home. Summit High School quarterback Destin Wade is here with us on 104.5 The Zone. Destin, obviously you're playing quarterback. Your brother plays linebacker, plays some wide receiver. You're listed as an athlete when you look at major recruiting services. Uh, I'm just curious, with your size, your speed, your skill set, how many different positions have you been recruited to play at the college level? Oh, I think we lost him. <laughs> no, we got him. You got us, Destin? Uh, yeah, I can hear you now. I think I lost you for a second. All right, ask him the question again. Uh, how many different positions have you been recruited to play at the college football level? Uh, I would say about three. Yeah, three. So, uh, quarterback, some, what else? Uh, some teams wanted me, like, athlete, like, wide receiver type, uh, and others wanted me to, on the on defensive side of the ball, safety. So, you, you went out in your first game of week one. You smacked Henry County around, who you beat, obviously, last year in the 5A mm-hmm. semis. Was that was that a game that, that had something personal involved in it for you, given that you advanced past them to win the state title last year? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, we just wanted to, just to let them know that it wasn't a fluke game or anything like that and um, that we're still going to bring it this season going into 6A. Um, but I, I felt like it was a huge win for us uh, going into the season for sure. What What are you most looking forward to? Because obviously the level of competition picks up as you as you advance mm-hmm. into a higher classification. What are you What are you most looking forward to? Uh, I'm looking forward just to compete uh, against other great uh, schools. Um, just to be one of the in the one of, just to be in the, one of the best conferences uh, is just a, a great opportunity for me just to show my uh, skills. And our whole team that we've been working a lot, um, so we're, we're, it's, it's just exciting to be a part. At Destin Wade one is where you can follow Destin Wade, uh, Summit High School quarterback, on Twitter. So my producer, he used to call your you and your brother's high school basketball games, and he, he's talked oh, a lot. Uh, he's talked a lot about your guys' obviously athletic uh, athletic gifts. What's the earliest age you could dunk, Destin? <laughs> uh, I would say probably around eighth grade. Yeah, eighth grade when I got that my checks first out. Done. Yeah, that's that <laughs> sounds about right. Well, we appreciate you taking some time on your lunch break, man. Continued health and success. We're looking forward to seeing you guys and how far you go throughout the course of this season for you. Ta- thank you thank again, you, Destin. Man. Thank you. That means a lot. Thanks for having me. Appreciate no question. Destin Wade of Summit High School, kind enough to give us some of his time. Destin Wade on Instagram is where you can follow. Dude was a monster out there. He had no idea he did that. He 265 yards on six carries. Like they, they didn't throw the ball at all, which is fine. They don't need to. You just give him the ball and say, go. It's crazy to watch. I'm watching his highlights right now on Max Preps. So you you were not on the call for this game, right, Lucas? No, Will Bowling and I were at the Ravenwood NBA game, but Summit is in Ravenwood's region, region 76A, one of the best public school regions in the state, especially at the 6A level. And I just can't wait to to watch the Spartans, who 
just won the 5A state title and I think are going to contend for a region championship at the 6A level and then make a push in the playoffs just spearheaded by those two boys. That is such a coup for Mark Stoops to come into the mid-state and grab Destin and Keaton Wade right out of Nashville, two guys that can play a multitude of positions, have a variety of skill sets, and are just so much fun to watch on the hardwood, too, not just on the football field. You know, I hesitated to give out his social media accounts, just given that we you know, spent so much time about talking about Tennessee needs to get in-state recruits, and then we have we have uh, this, this monster of an athlete at Summit who's going to Kentucky, and I'm giving out his social media account saying that, you know, he's not going to Tennessee. Yeah, well, yeah, I hope we didn't... <laughs> Hope we didn't add anything negative to his week with that. Don't be one of those people that goes after the high school football recruits. Yeah, maybe just don't. Maybe just don't. Maybe just don't be one of those people. Allow him to celebrate, him and his family, all his success here in Tennessee high school football, even if he's not going to play for your college team next year. That kind of stuff drives me nuts. Quite a concept. <laughs> it is for some, Lucas. Anyway, we'll get into what we will do coming up next is we will talk about the NFL Top 100. Been a handful of Titans that have made the list. Derrick Henry's in the top 10. Now, I think this is a foolish list, and I'll explain to you why. But I also find a very, very important value in it. Ramon Foster will be here at 1220 as well. We'll talk balls and Titans offensive line with the big fella of J. Martin Ramon. All that in the final hour. Coming up next, I'm Buck Rising, and this is 104.5 The Zone.